the markets. We just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of your wealth and investment strategy. Welcome to Magic Markets. I'm your host, The Finance Ghost. I am Mohammed Nala of MoKnows.com. Mo is one of the most respected macro analysts to come out of South Africa. He is now in Canada, so we get his global perspective layered on top of emerging markets expertise. Together, we will unpack the biggest trends and issues and scratch beneath the surface to bring you our insights and share our love and passion for markets and investments. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial or investment advice. Please speak to your personal financial advisor. Welcome to Magic Markets. The opportunity to invest in Section 12J Venture Capital Funds ends at the end of June 2021, forever. Olive Venture Capital Company is a Sharia-focused and 12J-compliant, diversified investment portfolio. Visit olivevcc.co.za to learn more. Olive is an authorized financial services provider. Welcome to episode 29 of Magic Markets, and it's really exciting to be here as ever, and we've got a great guest for you here tonight, and before we get into that, I just want to say thanks to Mo specifically for joining this evening, because uh, he's dealing with some COVID-related stuff in the family, which is uh, never fun, and there was some doubt over whether or not he would uh, be able to join this evening, so Magic Markets, it's listeners, you've all gotten to know Mo, and yeah, just keep his family in your Thoughts and prayers, if you can, as they uh, as they battle this horrible virus that all of us are, are somewhat dealing with in our own way. So, Mo, welcome to the show, and then we're really excited to have a very special guest here tonight. So, we were joking before we came on air about, you know, is it possible to give this man too much of an introduction? But Wandile uh, Shlobo is the chief economist of the Agricultural Business Chamber of South Africa, and uh, he is now officially the smartest person on this Magic Market show. So Mo's been demoted to second, and I've gone down to third. And Wandile, uh, we're just stoked to have you on the show so that we can unpack more about the agriculture industry in South Africa and everything great about it, I suppose. So thanks for joining us on Magic Markets. Now, thanks, Ghost. Um, great to be, to be on the show, and um, I've been meaning to come through here, so good to finally be in. Wandila and I go way, 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 way back, uh, and so it's, it's an absolute pleasure for us to just be able to tap into people, you know, where our paths have crossed over over some time, and to bring that that body of knowledge. I mean, Wandila has gone and he's written books, and he advises the president on, on, on the Economic Advisory Council, so, you know, we want to bring that level of thinking into the show. We want to share that with our listeners. So, Wandele, from my side, it's really great seeing you again. It has been a while. You do still owe me a lunch next time I'm down in South Africa, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely hit you up for that. But, Ghost, I think let's let's kick off. There's tons of stuff we can unpack with with Wandele in today's show. Yeah, exactly. And we'll get a nice youthful perspective because Wandele is now the youngest person on the show, which makes him several generations younger than Mo and slightly younger than me. So um, let's let's kick this off. I mean, Wandele, my First question, biggest question, top of mind question. We all, well, you and I live in this country. Uh, Mo's heart still is in this country, but he won't admit it. To what extent can the agriculture industry actually get our beloved South Africa back on an economic growth path? I mean, I personally feel as though there's only a couple of industries that can do it. Do you think Agri is one of them? Do you think there are others that can do it? And and what is it going to take? You know, how much of a difference can it actually make? Yeah, um, you are right, Ghost. I mean, Mo will tell you, starting back uh, to all the economic policies from the Mandela term to Mbegi term, uh, Jacob Zuma's NDP, and now to President Ramaphosa's um, economic uh, recovery and reconstruction plan, agriculture has consistently featured. 
I think um, for it to make difference more than it's already playing now, we, we really need talking about further expansion than the area that we are already uh, planting now. And I mean, there is land to go around uh, to do that. We have, for example, on a government side, uh, roughly over 4 million hectares that the state is sitting with and that we could be able to expand agricultural production on. Uh, but as you rightly said, what it will take, it will take a lot to actually do that. Some level of investments is needed, uh, but for that investment to come through, we need to be dealing with land governance uh, matters and stuff. But I think the positive is that um, if both business and government recognize that and we pinpoint the areas, which is uh, Eastern Cape, KZN, Limpopo, which I think they are the growth frontiers, we could be able to do something. Um, and on a national scale, it, it will be a positive. I mean, I've seen some really big businesses in this country in the agri space in my previous life in corporate finance, ranging from all the way up in Koblersdal, you know, down to fruit producers in the Western Cape. I mean, there's, there's just something about it that's a little bit special, actually. There's something about just creating value out of the land and creating these products for export and, and, and all of that. I mean, we've got such an abundance of natural resources here, don't we? So, yeah, I guess it comes down to investment at the end of the day. The land is there. Where do you see this investment coming from? Is it private sector? Is it government? Is it going to be public-private partnerships? Is it foreign? And what do you think is going to be the catalyst there? Yeah, I think Ghost is going to have to be um, on a public partnership uh, approach uh, that, that we will take uh, in, in South Africa. Because on the government side, I mean, as Mo will tell you, we, we are broke uh, officially on that end. Uh, but I think on a, on a private sector side, there's a lot. We already, I mean, just about a, a couple of weeks ago, launched what is called the blended finance between the IDC and government, about a billion rands. There are now conversations that are happening amongst the four biggest banks of the country uh, with government to add on to that. So I think that begins to be some of the capital that will be used for infrastructure and some production loans. So it's that sort of investment that will follow. But I think the, the other positive is obviously around um, ensuring that you know the foreign um, investments also come in in, in, in the sector. And I think that the, the, the country is pretty much open uh, onto that. So we could see players also in that space. But I do think that foreign players will be playing a notable role among within the value chain rather than on primary agriculture, which is uh, predominantly the, the local players. Yeah, and that's a really important distinction because primary agriculture is literally the cow on the field or the fruit tree or the timber or whatever the case may be. And then there's an entire value chain that happens after that, which is actually in some ways where it gets even more interesting from some of the stuff I've seen. And yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've seen a lot of interest in agro-processing in this country as something that people can invest in and they get excited about it because it's less risky than primary agriculture. Uh, it certainly comes with a little bit less of a, a political worry or also some uncertainty over the future of, of what might happen there. And it seems to attract more in the way of foreign investment, certainly from what I've seen. A big part of it, of course, is export. And a lot of these products are, are going to faraway lands. And I actually wrote about this the other day in Ghostmail, but you know, everyone's celebrating the RAND right now. And yes, it's great. But there's a point at which it becomes too strong, isn't there? And I was wondering if you, you know, from your discussions with industry players and that, are they bemoaning the strong RAND yet? Or do they have a number in mind where they start to worry? Or are they just sort of caught up in this euphoria of, hey, look at our currency again. No, I, th I think goes, I mean, we, we always, the currency is always, uh, 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 currency conversation is always an interesting one on agriculture, because obviously it feels like you would want what by the time you are harvesting, you want to have a relatively weaker rand. 
but by the time you're planting, you want the currency to strengthen also. Because I think the key thing to keep in mind is that, I mean, South Africa imports a lot of its uh, inputs on agriculture. 80% of its fertilizer of South Africa's fertilizer consumption is imported, roughly 90% of agrochemicals, um, and obviously fuel and other agricultural machinery. So you have that end. But also on the selling side, obviously, then when in a weaker currency, uh, you boost your exports. But I mean, speaking about today's terms, I think the levels that we are in are still comfortable. We continue to see exports remaining solid. I mean, uh, just in the first quarter, for example, of this year, uh, we saw our exports, you know, up a double digit compared to where we were last year. Um, and obviously for the year, we think that we, we, we will see much more uh, greater value than what we saw last year. Last year was the second biggest agricultural exports on record, about $10.2 billion. And we think this year we will be able to, to perform better than that uh, because of the awesome volumes that we are seeing and that strong demand that remain in the global market. There's actually much more of a rand hedge than I realized. So that's fantastic. And that's why we get guys like you on the show to learn from. So actually much of primary agriculture has a rand hedge element to it because some of the stuff's imported just to play it back to you. And they obviously, they don't export everything they create actually. You know, a lot of the stuff gets eaten here. So in reality, is it actually the other way around? On average, would the average farmer prefer to have a stronger rand because it helps on the import side. And by the time some of the export stuff goes, you know, there's enough local consumption of the product that actually a strong rand is, is just fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, and I would say, Ghost, we are actually on a 50-50 basis. I mean, um, if you look at our South Africa's agricultural sector in, in, uh, in, in value terms, um, we exporting roughly 49% of what we produce. So to your point, um, I, I, th I think we are well balanced. Wondile, just talking in terms of products, so we are globally competitive on stuff like citrus. I mean, you'll know this way better than me, so I'll just let you answer the question actually, is where do we export very strongly uh, and where do we kind of just focus on essentially local consumption? I mean, we all know about the avos at Woolworths, so we don't need to cover those. It's more the, it's more, it's more the fruit beyond that and the ve you know, vegetables and meat and everything else. Yeah, actually those avos at Woolworths, um, we're exporting about uh, roughly, I think, a two-third of the avos that, that, that we produce in the country. And obviously, uh, cycle back as a seasonality basis where we still get some that are, that are from outside. But I think if you look at the top 10 of South Africa's agricultural exports in value terms, citrus obviously covered, uh, stays on the top, followed by wine. We also have grains in there, maize being the bigger, the bigger one. And then you have apples, um, pears. And then you have grapes. So I think overall, the grains and fruits are the key things that we are, we are exporting. And obviously, where we remain pretty much a net importing side, I mean, it's if you're speaking about the, the, the basic things like wheat, rice, um, um, poultry products, which is the sensitive one that we still remain on a net importing side. Um, and obviously, on some of the other uh, stuff like beef uh, and pork, we are still on a net importing side. But I think that the numbers, they are well balanced. We're importing roughly 8% or so of what we consume. So we're pretty much balanced on a number of those commodities. But overall, I think we, we ask, we, South Africa's agricultural sector in general is generally, is, is competitive um, uh, looking at it. Because if, if you go on those individual products that we, 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 we're sitting with as our top 10 uh, uh, exports, if you look globally to say on the list, 
Um, where does South Africa rank? South Africa punches fairly high. Yes, overall in agriculture, we are the 32nd biggest exporter of agricultural products in value term globally. But per certain products, we do feature within the, the top 20. Yeah, and I really just want to make a point there. South Africans are very quick to forget about how impressive our country is at a lot of things. We like to cry and bemoan and it's terrible and it's awful and we're all going in the wrong direction and blah, 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 blah. Reality is there are certain products in which this little country at the tip of Africa actually is globally really important and not just in agri. I mean, we're the biggest platinum group metals producer in the world. You know, it's, it's some of these agri products as well. I mean, at times we do punch, I think, really well above our weight. And then people look and go, well, how is the RAND strong? Why are people buying our government bonds? It's because we still have an economy here. <laughs> we still have a real economy and it pays a yield. And uh, I guess sometimes we just need to remind even ourselves and other people that, you know, this, this place still means something, even on a global scale. It really does. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the country still works close to that. Just before we even move on some of the other aspects, I mean, speaking of that, of saying we are a relatively stable country with our problems, um, even now looking at how then all of these agriculture places are, say, on food security globally, for example, we are, you know, the most food secure country in the sub-Saharan Africa. But also, even if you were to compare us with some of the other countries, India and, and, and a couple of countries that are in amongst the emerging markets, we rank fairly well in terms of availability, safety, affordability of some of these products. So we're not, we're not a bad country. You know, you, sp you spoke about poultry and a big problem there is importing the cost of feed of raising chickens. A lot of it comes down to maize, if I understand it correctly, and that type of input cost. And our poultry producers on the JSC are getting squeezed horribly. I mean, Astral has been very vocal in terms of guiding the market on how its margins are looking. But there's a bigger problem there. So it's not just poultry because they're struggling to pass that cost on to the consumer. But there's a very real inflation in staples right now. And I mean, high inflation, double digit stuff, which is obviously hitting, in many cases, the poorest households in South Africa, because that is where their budget is spent. That's the food they can afford to buy anyway. Uh, and now it's running, it's just, just rampant inflation. I'm interested to hear your inflation outlook, because I still look at this and sometimes just scratch my head on how the banks continue to not have runaway impairments. I mean, First Rand came out with a trading statement literally just this week saying impairments are better than expected. Our earnings are recovering. Everything's normalized again. And I just look and I just scratch my head at people, you know, highest unemployment rate, runaway food inflation. I understand we're a welfare state and I understand that there's a big informal economy that the unemployment stats is not measuring. But yeah, I mean, I'm interested to know your views. You know, how are the lower LSM groups doing this? And what is your outlook on staples inflation? Because there's a big read through there into a number of retail businesses and banks. No, I mean, and let, let me start on the, on, the, on the food inflation side. Obviously, I mean, we, we had uh, started this year thinking that on the South Africa side, consumer food price inflation would pretty much, you know, uh, be contained. Uh, last year, we had food price inflation averaging about 4.8%. Uh, this year on our side at Agbiz, we started forecasting about 5%. Uh, and obviously, we're basing that on a large crop harvest that is coming up. We have, for example, the second biggest grain harvest on record that we are expecting, those record fruits that we were speaking about. But the big issue now that is an up, has been an upside uh, uh, surprise is obviously the higher global grain prices. 
keeping up the grain and the oil seed prices higher. And that's the point that the guys at Astral and many other uh, uh, poultry producers have really been complaining about. But I do think that the, the tide is about to change in as far as that is concerned, because all of the numbers that are coming out of the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture, uh, they do the nice global uh, supply and demand forecast for all of the grains. And also the International Grains Council, they are all showing that, you know, for 2021-22, we could see a record corn harvest, um, global corn harvest of about 1.2 billion tons. Uh, on wheat, they're forecasting 780 million tons, which is also a, a, a record harvest. So all of those, they point to the fact that global grains or global uh, uh, crop prices could soften. And I think that will also then be a positive for South Africa to an extent that we still have, for example, for this year, food price inflation of about 5.5% from the 5% that we had um, at the start of the year. Now, on the, on the story of meat, I mean, poultry meat prices in South Africa will, will remain slightly elevated for, for reasons that you have said. And obviously, the other ones are more on a tariff side, which obviously, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even discuss much there. I have responsibilities um, at ITEC um, uh, in, in, in those space. But overall, I think we will be well balanced um, uh, as, a, as a country on, on the food price inflation side. So, Wandila, I think you've touched on a number of very interesting things. I mean, First and foremost, I can tell you living here in, in Canada that I look forward to going to the grocery store and buying South African citrus. You know, I go and I specifically look for South African citrus. I specifically go and look for South African grapes, for example. And I think this speaks to the point where South Africa has this competitive advantage in many of the global value chains. I think your point around the input cost component and the stronger rand working for the South African agri-producers is an interesting dimension because it means that in terms of the products we're putting out there, we have a competitive edge and in order to produce that most efficiently we need to keep those capital costs contained so i think those are all very interesting what i'd like to touch on is that you know a lot of times where, where do we invest in the value chain here i don't have significant exposure in the agri sector i know when i was down in south africa you know i was advising a lot to say this is one of the highest growth potential and employment potential sectors in the south african economy and a lot of that goes in the unlisted space i mean we spoke just last week to a guy called harun jina he runs a small vcc operation and one of the critical components of their investment mix are cattle feedlots for example because that's the other thing south african meat is fantastic and as someone outside of south africa i look forward to finding south african meat uh, where would would you say in that value chain should investors be targeting and and secondly i think also given the flavor of our show and the types of interests of our audience you know insofar as the companies that are listed on this exchange i can look into the international stuff as well where do you think which sectors would represent the highest potential for you yeah i think i mean uh, the, the the places for me where i think uh they will have greater value, but also, especially if you are investing and you are also looking for impact, either on jobs and stuff like that, I would say anything that is within the citrus space, uh, there's good value there. But I also think that um, uh, uh, within the horticulture space, not, not, not merely citrus, the entire horticulture, which is the fruit and, and vegetables, because I mean, there's the spin offs uh, to, to the jobs that you do give into those communities while still you could be able to get back a good buck, uh, I think that's the place to actually uh, continuously investing in. In as far as to say, I mean, the, the, the companies that you, you, you go to, I would say, I mean, 
most of the other food companies, I mean, it, it, it's pretty much for me, I mean, looking on the outside, I don't monitor uh, consistently all of these folks. But I do think that if you are in any space where it's a staple food related uh, space, but also the likes of the Zidas and all of these guys, that's that's still a, a good value and a good space to be pretty much in. When there are a lot of risks is around the poultry-related businesses because of the exposure on the grains, because of the exposure on the global soybeans, as well as that volatility that is in there. But I think long run, I mean, looking at how some of those companies have performed, people are able to manage the risk there. I, I think that's fantastic insight. I mean, you know, uh, thanks so much for sharing that with us. Uh, I think, you know, one of the other things I want to touch on, I mean, you've, you've mentioned the likes of Azida, you've mentioned the risks, I, I guess, to the poultry sector, uh, which which we know kind of has, has been, it's had its ups and downs. A lot of stocks in the agri space, uh, not just in South Africa, globally, if we also look at not just stocks, but futures, for example, on corn, which would be the, the South African maize equivalent, or if you look at wheat futures or soy futures, those have more than doubled in value over the course of the last year. And again, you've touched on some of that earlier on in the show. But coming back to South Africa, you know, what are your view on, and I want to include two sectors here. One is, would you consider the oceans, economy, aquaculture as, as part of agri and, and what's your view on that specifically and then secondly I, i'd be remiss to not bring this because it's a massively large sector up here in canada is the cannabis sector you know what are your views i know there's been some issues down in south africa more recently with the likes of nut we don't have to go into the detail there but what are your views on both you know aquaculture the the oceans economy and then lastly on the cannabis uh, and let's call it the green sector the cannabis sector yeah i mean on the oceans economy it's still a, a good space and i think that there's still going to be a, a, a good growth potential there but obviously, a regulatory perspective um, in that space, I would say that in South Africa, looking on on a net-net basis, uh, we, we haven't been very kind uh, onto that. And where we have focused largely, and, and I think where rightly so, that horticulture space that I've mentioned because of this other, other spin-offs, but I don't think that we have focused a lot uh, on the ocean's economy, and perhaps that's the space we, we really need to, to, to work on going forward. But on a cannabis side, I mean, we are now at a space where we're finalizing master plans um, and all of the activities that will, will pretty much be, 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 be done onto that. It's a space where we are looking at, we are looking for growth, we are making sure that there will be investments, at least legislatively, there's beginning to be some positive uh, stuff that is is coming off but but i think there, there is still um a long blood part of work uh, to be done but i do think that folks that are looking at investment should look into that and south africa will be ready soon uh, in as far um, as the legislative work is done thanks i mean i, I think that's very fascinating it's, it's certainly interesting from from my perspective again you know i i can look at you know just where those sectors are growing certainly in in canada the cannabis sector, from a growing perspective, has been, you know, there are lots of operators out here. I think the other potential for South Africa from a uh, on-the-ground investment would be, you know, again, the, the kind of value-added beneficiation, if you want to call it that, the IP-type industries. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is, in agri, you've touched on agro-processing, for example, is the value chain is very deep. The value chain is not in the just in the production, you know, and, and you've got to look at the entire value chain. South Africa is phenomenally positioned and it's, it's why I was so excited to have you on the show just even from an agri perspective is that it's currently around three percent of GDP you know as, as, as it kind of is, is, is known and it's a sector where South Africa we know is prematurely deindustrialized, but it's also you know not just the secondary sector that suffered but it's the agri sector as well and that's a strength that the South African economy needs to start playing 
towards over the longer term. So, you know, I think, you know, we're running out of time. Uh, I really would love to have you back on the show in future to try and unpack some of these trends in even more detail because I think we're, as, as with so many things, we're just scratching beneath the surface right now. That's really what we try and do on Magic Markets, stimulate the thinking. Uh, but from my side, you know, I just want to say, Wandile, thanks. This has been really exciting. It's been really insightful having you on the show. And I'm definitely going to say that we, we've got to have you back on the show for a follow-up. Wandile, I've got, to, I've got to ask you something before you go because you must have seen some fascinating stuff. When you're at the Bri and your mates want to know a little titbit about agriculture, what is your like fun fact of stuff that no one else knows, but you know about this uh, agriculture economy. I mean, it, it can be something just completely anecdotal or silly, but just hit us with one little nugget of, uh, of, of information that, that our listeners can remember. I think I, think, I, think I usually, um, I would know the origin of, uh, of most of the products uh, that, 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 are, that are being fed. Either we are looking on the meat space or we are looking at the fruits and vegetables, I usually know where what is produced. Um, if you are having your plate and you're asking me where your vegetables are coming from in South Africa, I will usually have a handle of where that was grown. That's awesome. So you take more interest in the salad than I would, for example. I'll just focus on the meat. You have a different lens there of where, where everything in the salad came from. Oh, and Dili, that's, that's brilliant, and thank you. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks for making the time. I've learned a lot from you. So yeah, to echo Mo's sentiment, we'd love to have you back. And to our listeners, you know what to do. Share the show, rate the show, let us know what you think. And I hope you've learned as much from this, certainly, as we have. Wandile, thank you so much. Mo, all the best for your family over the next week. And uh, we'll do this again next week. The opportunity to invest in Section 12J Venture Capital Funds ends at the end of June 2021 forever. Olive Venture Capital Company is a Sharia-focused and 12J compliant diversified investment portfolio. Visit olivevcc.co.za to learn more. Olive is an authorized financial services provider. Remember to visit thefinanceghost.com and monos.com for more detailed insights. This podcast was for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial or investment advice. Please consult your personal financial advisor.